covered that in a while, and I surely didn't need to start that way. <laughs> uh, will you pray for, with me, and as I ask for a blessing on my talk, please? Um, dear Heavenly Father, you are so good, and you provide us with so many things. Sometimes we look the other way and, and forget that it all comes from you. And I just uh, thank you for this opportunity today uh, that I can share my heart. And, and I just uh, thanks, thank you that so many people came to listen. And, and I just pray, Lord, that uh, we become as one through your love. And um, this, these words you've given me, I pray all this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I pray that today you will come to know Jesus' great commission. Um, and what it means for us today. Jesus gave us his power and authority so we could complete it. Jesus came up and spoke to his disciples saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Matthew 28, and Angie, thank you for reading that for me. This week, uh, my wife Barbara showed me a post from a social media platform. And in it, we ponder the thief on the cross next to Jesus. He never went to church. He had no baptism, no communion. Confirmation, never volunteered to help people, never read the Bible, never gave a penny to God's kingdom. He was a thief. He couldn't bend his knees or fold his hands to pray up on the cross. Yet that same day, he would be with Jesus in paradise. What are we missing here? How does the thief gain salvation? And why, in the other verse that Angie read, was the wedding guest thrown out of the wedding feast. Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What did the thief do? He said, Do you not even fear God? And Jesus, remember me when you are in your kingdom. He fulfilled two things that Paul later talks about in Romans to, to gain salvation. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Romans 10, 9 through 10. And the wedding guest? Why was he not in wedding clothes? We learn in Revelation 9, 8, that as the bride of Christ, we are given clothing of fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The thief performed a righteous act in defending Christ. The wedding guest never knew or confessed Jesus as Lord. We uh, have been, uh, 
the, the choir group and uh, others from other churches have been doing the cantata for Easter. And the part that always gets me emotional. <clears throat> in the ending, when we say Christ is clothed in righteousness, robed in glory, he provides our robe of glory and we can stand before God perfect and complete lacking in nothing Jesus tells us in the great commission go and tell others this commission is not just for pastors or clergymen it's for each of us Matthew 10 32 through 33 Jesus says therefore everyone who confesses me before men I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. So I really do think sharing our faith is an important part of our life in church and outside of church. Have you ever ever told anyone about your faith in God and the hope you have in him? I have a friend who told me, And I know he's got a great heart for Jesus, yet he told me he's chicken to tell others. If you are like my friend, afraid to start that discussion, please begin today. And if sponsoring a child will teach you to share about Jesus in writing to an unfortunate child about God's great love, And the hope you have in his love and his gift of salvation, it's a start. In sharing, we're not only just saving a child, we're saving ourselves. Always pray, ask the Holy Spirit for help. For all authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth. And he is with us until the end of the age. In fact, Let's stop right now and ask Jesus for help. I I need a little bit right now myself. (laughs) We'll just stop and ask the Holy Spirit to be present here and to move us to be in his will. Amen. I'll tell you, I cannot do anything righteous on my own initiative or power. The Bible tells us we don't even know how to pray as we should, but that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Jesus helps me write the talks I give and rise above my own sinful self where I am dead in sin. I call this talk, So What? I could have I called it, Go Tell Others, but something Pastor Gary said on his last Lenten service made me really think. He said that uh, on that Wednesday night when the youth was here, that in the youth room, he has those two words written down in in the youth room. So what? What do you think that means? Today, right after Easter, Jesus' sacrifice is fresh on our minds. And when we stand before the Father, he no longer sees our sinful sinful flesh, 
but he sees his son perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So here's the so what. So what does that mean today? So what does God want me to do? I don't have any talent, so what can I do for his kingdom? In reading the Bible, I've come to realize that most of the people God uses powerfully in, in their lives have gone through some, tor- some sort of wilderness, a time of waiting, a time of patience and trusting in God, a time for obedience, believing deeply and developing a loving relationship with him. Think back, Noah on the ark, 40 days and 40 nights in the rain and even further time waiting for the rain to subside. Abram leaving his, his land and going for the promised land and all the trials he went through on his way to the promise of God. Moses being 80 years old, a shepherd, and uh, confronting the burning bush and doing God's will and all that time in Egypt, and 40 years in the wilderness, and 40 days and 40 nights on Mount Sinai, all of that time waiting and trusting in God. Um, The 40 years of the Hebrew nation in the wilderness, King David waiting for years to become king after he had been anointed king, but Saul chasing him down and trying to kill him. And Jesus is 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. We have just finished 40 days and 40 nights in our sacrifice during the Lenten season. Has your sacrifice brought you closer to God or was it a stumbling block for you? We have been isolated during a pandemic, time away from loved one, times away from this church, times away from uh, our normal routines. Was it a time to think and seek God and his will for us and become more obedient, prune out our bad habits, trust in God's plan? Do we cherish that time with God or do we reject it? Lent is over. Jesus rose from the dead like he does every year. Are we just in a routine or are we going to rise from the dead of our sinfulness and become a new person, a new living being. So what does God want? So what must I do with my life? Go therefore. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. I've told a lot of people about this book, The Seven Longings of the Human Heart. In it, Mike Bickle talks about seven longings that God created us with, all intended to draw us to him. And the longings are the longing to be enjoyed by God, the longing for fascination, the longing for beauty, the longing for greatness, the longing for intimacy without shame, the longing to be wholehearted, and the longing to make a deep and lasting impact. 
I think we'd all like to make a deep and lasting impact in our lives. You know, it's not by the way we look, or the car we drive, or the clothes we wear, or the weight we gain or we lose, how white our teeth are, but it's how we share God's love with one another, with our friends and our family. Max Lucado talked about this in, in our Bible study, that our hearts are like a paper cup, a Dixie cup, and God's love is like the Mediterranean Sea. And he pours that love into us until it's overflowing to other people. It's what we do with that love that really matters, and we make a lasting impact on other people's life and gain an eternal reward in heaven. Working together with Jesus to awaken someone's heart and love is essential to our emotional health. We become heroes when we take that risk and not be chicken and tell others about Christ and tell them about our love. It's his love and our love for him through our actions and our words and our attitudes. So what do I do? Pray. Read his word and put it into action. We don't have to do big things. God says, you are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Matthew 25, verse 21. Jesus left this earth with his resurrection with 12 or so people to do the work he started. Look at what they're sharing has done. We pray every week, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We have to fulfill that calling, and in doing so, we inherit the wedding clothes to ultimately become Christ's bride, sharing his throne and returning the love he pours on us so lavishly. So what will make a lasting impact in this world and in eternity? I'd like to read these verses in Matthew. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked? and clothe you. 
When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the very least of them, you did it to me. I have a story that illustrates this Bible verse very well, and I hope that it makes a memory in your, in your minds and hearts. Jerry and Donna know this story. It's about the fourth wise man. And it's a, it's a fictitious story, but I think it illustrates what Jesus was talking about here quite well. Artaban, like the other three wise men, also set out to follow the star. And he took with him a sapphire, a ruby, and a pearl beyond price as gifts for the king. He was riding hard to meet his three friends at the agreed meeting place. Time was short. They would leave without him if he were late. Suddenly he saw a dim figure on the ground before him. It was a traveler stricken with fever. If he stopped and stayed to help, he would be too late. But magis were physicians as well as astrologers. He did stop, and he poured a simple but potent remedy through the man's colorless lips, until at last the man's strength returned. But in stopping, he missed the other three magis, and he was alone. He needed camels and bearers to help him cross the desert because he had missed his friends in their caravan. He had to sell his sapphire to get provisions because he had stopped to help the stricken traveler. And he was sad that the king would never have the beautiful jewel. So he journeyed alone and in due course came to Palestine and Bethlehem. But again he was too late. Joseph and Mary and the baby had gone. Then there came soldiers to carry out Herod's command that the children would be slain. Artaban was lodging in a house house where there was a little child. The hard knock of the soldiers was at the door. The weeping and shrieking of stricken mothers could be heard in the streets. Artaban went out and stood in the doorway. He had the ruby in his hands. And when the captain came, Artaban bribed him with his ruby not to enter. The child was saved. The mother overjoyed, but the ruby was gone. And now Artaban felt sadness that the king would never see the ruby. For years Artaban searched place to place for the king, beginning in Egypt. In searching he saw hunger, famine, plague-stricken cities. He found no one to worship, but plenty to help. He fed the hungry, clothed the naked, healed the sick, Years went by swiftly, leaving behind a pattern of love and compassion. Thirty-three years of Artaban's life passed away, searching for the king. His hair now white as wintry snow, worn and weary, he had come to the last time to Jerusalem. He had come many times before, looking for the family of Nazarenes who had fled from Bethlehem long ago. Upon entering the city, he saw a group of men going to Golgotha. Outside the city walls where two famous famous robbers were going to be crucified with another, Jesus of Nazareth, a man who had done many wonderful works among the people. 
But the priests and elders said that he must be crucified because he had named himself as the Son of God. Artaban's heart beat quickly. Could this be the same one who had been born in Bethlehem 33 years before? Could it be that his last pearl was just in time to offer ransom and save his life? Then down the street there came a girl fleeing from a band of soldiers. My father is in debt, she cried, and they are taking to sell me as a slave to pay my father's debt. Help me. Artaban hesitated. It was the same old conflict in his soul, which had come to him with the man stricken with fever along the, along the roadside and in the cottage in Bethlehem. The conflict between the expectation and impulse of love, the conflict between the gift he had hoped to give the king and the open-faced need right before his eyes. He took the pearl from his coat. Never had it seemed so luminous, so radiant, so full of tender living luster. He took one last look and laid it in the hand of the young girl. This is your ransom, daughter. It is the last of my treasures which I had kept for the king. As he spoke, the darkness of the sky thickened and shuddering tremors ran through the earth. Stones loosened and crashed into the street. Artaban and the girl whom he had ransomed crouched helplessly vulnerable out in the open. A heavy tile shaken from the roof fell and struck the old man on the head. He lay breathless and pale, with his white head resting on the young girl's shoulder. As she bent over him, a sound came through, the twilight small and still like music, sounding from a distance. The old man's lips began to move as if in answer. Clearly, he had heard words. She heard him say in his Parthian tongue, "'Not so, my lord.' When did I ever see you hungry or, and feed you, thirsty and give you something to drink? When did I see you sick in prison and come to you? Thirty-three years I have searched for you. Never have I seen your face or ministered to you, my king. The girl heard the sweet voice again, but now it seemed as though she understood the words. Verily I say to you, whatsoever you do to the least of my brethren, you do unto me. And Artaban smiled in death, knowing the king had received each of his gifts. We are given opportunities every day to be Christ's hands and feet in a needy world. Keep your eyes open. Pray. Read the Bible. Open your heart to Christ's calling. So what was Jesus a sacrifice for? And how does it connect to me? Jesus came up and spoke to his disciples saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Jesus turned our world upside down. St. Francis's prayer ends well. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Will you please stand? Our gracious King, I just pray that, uh, and I thank you so